Hello and welcome back to the Reaction Plus podcast uh, with me, Sam Butler, and uh, joining me as always is uh, Max Goodwin. Hello. Um, uh, how are you, Max? Pretty good. Pretty good, mate. Just, uh, you know, getting on and uh, keeping myself busy and what is pretty uncertain times, as they, as they like to call it. So, not too bad. Bleak, what about you? I think I'd call it. Yeah, pandemic. That's the one. How about you? Mm. <laughs> uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Looking forward to uh, some of the topics we've got on today. Yeah, we do have a couple um, of spicy topics. Mm, spicy. Um, so, the first being... Um, would be some of the transfer um, transfers <laughs> transfers of players to other clubs of football now um, I know we've picked a couple ourselves and um, we'll you know discuss those for a while and then we can move on to a spicy debate um, involving Manchester United and whether or not they can win the league this year I know some of you will be pleased to hear that, some of you not so pleased, but, you know, we're doing it anyway. Um, the third one, we'll just be looking at some um, just some, some of the games from this week and looking forward to the weekend, maybe some predictions in there as well. So, Maxwell, how would you like to kick us off with some transfers? I would love to kick us off with some transfers. Um, <laughs> shall I just get straight into it, though, my first player? Please do. Okay, so um, for me, this is the deal of the window uh, in terms of the Premier League, absolutely. Um, Martin Odegaard from Real Madrid to Arsenal on a six-month loan, which is a spicy one. Uh, A six-month loan, as I say, with no option to buy, which is really the only snag on it. I think Arsenal could have, you know, tried to get that in there. A little bit of a background on him. He's 22. He joined Real Madrid at the age of 16 in 2015 and made his debut for the first team before being loaned to Hirenveen in the Dutch league, as well as Vitesse, where he sort of broke out a little bit, and then Real Sociedad last season, where he made 31 appearances, scored four goals in the league for Sociedad last season. Uh, I think many people called that sort of a breakout season for him. He really announced himself as one of the outstanding creators in Europe. And mm. six-month loan deal following the departure of Mesut Ozil in the same period. And I think he's even taken his squad number, so it's very much... A like for like, uh, in that way, and his stats of this, and his stats for Sociedad last season were pretty outstanding. To be honest, one point eight shots, two point two dribbles, with about sixty percent pass rate or success rate, and two point two key passes per ninety, which is pretty decent. Actually, it's not elite, but for Real Sociedad is very decent, and for Arsenal need is very good as well. And if you go even sort of even more deep, eight point two deep progressions, which is moving the ball into the final third through a pass or a dribble of the ball. Two-ish tackles and interceptions per game, which isn't a lot, but it shows he's willing to get himself involved defensively. At about 0.25 expected assists per 90 for Sociedad, which means he he's expected to get an assist once every four games, which is pretty decent for, yeah. for a young yeah, player. So, I mean, have they brought him in? Well, they can't have brought him in to replace us. Like, like you say, I mean, it's only a six-month contract loan. Um so that would take him, oh, I don't know, end of the season, couple months much. into next season. Yeah, I think I think um, the gist from this that I get from what the reporting is is that it's to sort of see them over to next season to either 
get him in on another loan deal, which I think would be the best option if he hits the ground running at Arsenal, try and get him in for another year. Or to see if there's somebody more potent available in the summer. They were linked really heavily to Dominic Shabosolai from Salzburg yeah. in January. That didn't end up happening. And I think it just takes it a lot does. of the pressure off of uh, Emil Smith-Rowe as well, to be honest, who's done well Agreed. in the minutes yeah. he's had. But... I mean, that's... Um... That's the thing, though. I mean, oh, well, I mean, does he does he pile pressure on? Does he does he take his place? Um, I mean, I, personally, he starts with me over Smith Rowe, but at the same time, you know, having either or off the bench certainly isn't a bad option. Well, absolutely not, no. But I mean, well, I, you don't often say this about Arsenal, but I think they are a club on the up now. I think so. I think it's um, starting to click for them finally, definitely. Yeah, obviously, despite the mid mid week result, which we'll discuss later on, but um, yeah. It, yeah, I think um, Emil Smith Rowe has been a game changer for him, to be honest. And I feel like it'd be ever so slightly harsh to be like, "Oh yeah, thanks, mate," but you can sit back for a six months now. Yeah, and I think um, I think it kind of just offers them a bit of competition, to be honest. Like they always say that having a player in a similar position to you kind of ups your game. Like look at what has happened to Luke Shaw this season. He's gone from a pretty middle in left back to possibly behind Robertson, the best left back in the league off the back of the signing of Tellez. And I think, I'm not saying that's what Smith Rowe can achieve. I but don't know. I mean, this season, this season, I think he's better than Robertson, Luke Shaw. Do you think? Yeah, Spicy yeah. take I mean, that. More <laughs> sort of penetrating runs, I think, honestly. Wow. Um, he's more box to box, I think, than Robertson this season. Okay. Um, that's, that's a fair take, I think. Fair take. Um, I, think, I think probably just because of the Liverpool's um, problems, to be honest. I think just everyone's suffering from a lack of confidence with the injuries and stuff I think that's yeah. that's probably the only reason um, but back to Arsenal I think I think what Erdegaard offers them is someone who can play centrally off the right or off the left and I think that flexibility you could maybe even play him in a deeper position against smaller teams I definitely think you could get away with both Smith Rowe and Erdegaard in the midfield if you've got enough of a presence from Partey fully fit I certainly think against you know Sheffield United and teams like that I think they're fully capable of playing a system yeah, like that it's starting to look like a team isn't it yeah and I just think awesome. Erdegaard offers them some flexibility in the squad and a bit of depth and even for six months it's a pretty low loan fee as well it's, it's, I don't really see what there isn't to like about it to be honest no I mean like like you say I think that's probably the only catch could Arsenal have kept him for longer or you know yeah but then a little it, bit in there but yeah exactly um I'm pretty much done on, on Erdegaard, to be honest. I've, that's pretty much all I've got to say, to be honest. He's, you know, I think a very willing contributor in that team and somebody who offers them maybe something a bit different than what they don't have at the moment. Absolutely. Um, speaking of which, um, Glenn Murray. 37-year-old Glenn Murray from Brighton. Okay. I want to um, know, know why. I want to know why you think he will smash it for us. Oh, no, I don't. That's the point. Oh, okay. Um, I think... I don't understand. I really don't understand. Like, we we, we just bought, again, like, a 37-year-old Glenn Murray from Brighton. And he's, he's, he's a very, you know, goal-hanging forward, isn't he? And um, Yeah, he's more of a finisher. Which may... Which may... <laughs> May suit Forrest. I don't know whether he starts all the time though. I mean, I don't. He's 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 hardly fit. Um, and I don't. 
I don't really understand the thinking behind it, to be honest. I don't know whether you have have a different idea on that. I mean, for me, for, from a playing perspective, I agree. It, it makes no sense. For, you know, it, it is very typical of Forrest at the moment, signing a name over somebody who can actually impact. But I kind of see... My, my logic on it is, obviously, Chris Hewton knows him well from his time at Brighton. And I think for Hewton, having a face in the dressing room who he knows, kind of like when he brought in Anthony Knockhart, a face that he knows, somebody who he knows, okay, he's not going to start every game, but one in ten games, maybe, he knows he can get a performance out of it. You think that they brought him in for the dressing room, like to be a senior kind of figure in the dressing room to kind of... Yeah, almost like a player coach. together, almost. Yeah. I can certainly see him... That would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, he's older, he's not going to play every game, but if he does play... You know, you know, Hewton knows what to expect from him. He knows his limitations. And I think him being in a kind of player-coach position at the club is, like, for somebody at 37, probably the dream, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's... There's not much to say on Glenn Murray, is there now? I mean, <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, he can score can, goals. Anything's possible. He can score goals. He's a good finisher. Yeah, he's just... Um, like literally like watching a slug up front he's really slow he's just yeah, immobile yeah and I can't remember the last time he played football <sighs> maybe a year ago I don't remember the last time he yeah. started for Brighton unless he was on yeah. loan something like that I don't know but yeah that's that's my piece on Glenn Murray I think <laughs> now you've said that I think it, it does make sense to be to have him as more of a dressing room face rather than rather than an actual starter week in, week out for Forrest. Yeah, and I mean, Crabben's not been in the best form recently. Lyle Taylor seems to have just disappeared off the face of the earth. And we just sold uh, Miguel Guerrero. So I kind of... I'm not anti it, because it's doesn't see, even though it's an undisclosed fee, it doesn't seem to have broken the bank. But I'm not... I don't love it, but I don't hate it, to be honest. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? It's like, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Anything. We'll try anything at this point. <laughs> it's sort of... Uh, it's very Forest, though, that signing, I've got to say. It is. It is. Um, so do you want me to move on to my next player, then? Go for it. Uh, so my my second and final player is uh, Takumi Minamino from Liverpool to Southampton on loan. Ooh. A deal that kind of went under the radar on deadline day, to be honest. Um, it did. So he joined Liverpool from Salzburg last January and was definitely the attacker that they shouldn't have gone for, considering it was basically a choice between him and Haaland, and they went for him. All I'm saying is they could have been very different. One goal in 19 appearances, which is 10 league appearances last season, nine league appearances this season. Pretty much mainly betting into the team and being a squad player. He made 136 appearances for Salzburg, scoring 42 goals in the league. And, you know, arguably his breakout period was that sort of last Champions League campaign that he played with them. And he joined Southampton on a uh, a six-month loan deal. So uh, what do you think? Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. I think he, he complements Danny Ings probably quite well, I'm yeah. thinking. Um, if he stays, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I think uh, it, it, it creates a nice target as well for Ward Prowse, probably even to switch to play if he plays on the other side. Yeah. Um, he's a good target. He runs behind, which is something Southampton do like a lot of. I mean, th- you'd say that Ings is probably the only person that would, would do that for him at the minute when he's fit. Yeah. So, I mean, Amino's a, an excellent buy, I have to say. So, let's just run through his stats a little bit. So, take what I say now with a bit of a pinch of salt, because he's only played about 300 minutes in the league for Liverpool this season. However, mm. he's got good stats, 2.2 shots per 90, 2.2 dribbles per 90 as well, which suggests a player who can come in and immediately contribute creatively. It's his off-the-ball work, though, that I think is, is most important. He averages about 4.5 ball recoveries per 90, which is more than Firmino, I believe. And Firmino has always been heralded as the defensive forward, air quotes. And he's also a good passer of the ball. He's consistently sort of a 40 passes per 90 player in quite high volume passing side. And I think the main thing they're going to get out of him is his pressing. He's come from the Red Bull sort of style of play, which is high intensity, high pressure, to Liverpool, who are famously one of the most aggressive teams in the league, more or less so than they have been, but still pretty aggressive this season, into a team in the form of Southampton and Hasenhutl that presses a lot, even when they're 9-0 down like they were the other day. They press a lot and are a very aggressive team. And I think on the right-hand side of the 4 triple two, with Ings and Adams ahead of him, I actually think he's probably found his sort of his home and his level because I don't think he's quite cut out for, you know, week out football at Liverpool at the moment. But if, if Southampton can do what I think Arsenal should do with Erdegaard and get him for six months and then for next season, then I think he yeah. is an absolute must-have for them. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with everything you just said there. Um, just quite exciting, actually, for Southampton, because he seems full of energy as well. Yeah, and I like, think that's um, his main asset, really, is his... his work rate and that's such an asset to have yeah absolutely um even if they play him off the bench as well you know that's that's some nice sort of injection of of energy and pace exactly um on and off the ball like you say so i'm glad we agree stuff (laughs) yeah Yeah. i just i I think his his skill set is very well suited to what um what southampton have at the moment my only question mark is his fitness and also whether he would work well with Carl Walker-Peters at right back. So I feel as if they probably want to operate in similar spaces. And I think he'll end up, it could end up being a very similar situation to the Adama Traore and Nelson Semedo situation at Wolves, where they're kind of just getting each other's way because they want to operate in the same area. Yeah, that's but that's a good point, actually. But, but it's yeah, an option. I mean, it might, might work. It might work. Um, yeah. It's kind of a case of waiting and seeing. But... Um, yeah, I think I think they'll combine well. I do. I think they will. Um, probably mostly with overlaps, to be honest. I think Minamino will probably be the one to sit deeper. Yeah. Um, if they do play them together, um, then they might not. Again, I just kind of don't know. But I, I, we, I, I do agree. I think it's a it's a good signing for Southampton. Yeah, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Six months. Gets a couple of goals, maybe an assist, but he's also got maybe 600, 700 minutes in a system with differences to Liverpool's, but certainly more similarities and differences in terms of structure and pressing and 
passing opportunities. Um, So do you want to go into your next player? Do you have any more players you want to talk about? I do. Um, Just one more. Um, I am going to go for Jesse Lingard. Oh, yes. I I was hoping you'd pick Lingard because I think this is a great move. I think it is, honestly, absolutely perfect. It really is. I'm just looking at Man United's Man United stats and um, matches uh, in the Premier League. Um, last season, he got 22. He played 22 matches in the Premier League last season, got one goal, no assists. Um, the year before that, 27 appearances, um, four goals, two assists. But the year before that, 2017-18 season, which I think was peak of his powers at Manchester United when they were really kind of almost struggling in a way um, yeah. he gave them eight goals and five assists so yeah I think he thrives on being the main man really doesn't he yeah I don't like I, everyone else is kind of struggling around him he kind of yeah steps up a little I don't see him starting over Bruno Fernandes at Man United but I do think it's a move that very much suits him going to uh, to West Ham I mean obviously getting two goals in his debut last night was a oh, good amazing. testament yeah. of that absolutely I mean I, I think David Moyes is one to sort of bring out the best in him as well um, like most people to be honest but um, even so I think oh, I don't know it's, it's just it's it's hard to sort of praise him highly praise this move highly enough really it's just outstanding business from West Ham to be fair what do you think he'll bring to West Ham in the short term this season short term goals yeah like and uh, just a consistent attacking threat um really um i mean that's easy to say after last night but like you can just see it like the the sort of the side to play football uh and like, it, it gives him him well it takes the pressure off antonio really as well absolutely um, t- sort of being up top um, and everyone just lobbing balls to him and sometimes you can get overwhelmed you know he's a brilliant player Antonio but like with his strength and size and speed and everything but Lingard's a bit more bit te- bit more technical can uh, sort of come in on his right foot um, yeah just just compliments him I think do you not think as well uh, in kind of a way we mentioned with Glenn Murray He's kind of a player who's going to be on side with David Moyes. He's going to buy in to the way that Moyes wants to play football. And that will be a, yeah, an yeah, asset. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I you, you think he'll sort of help David Moyes as much as David Moyes helps him? Potentially, yeah. I think especially if he really buys into the project there. I hate the word project because it's such a like ambiguous term. But there is, you can see what Moyes is trying to do with with uh, West Ham at the moment. And I think if he buys yeah, into I it, mean, he could be a real asset to them. Absolutely working as well. I mean, what were they, sixth? Yeah, fifth, sixth, something like that. They're, they're, they're in a good position to get European football this season, which, you know, considering the ropey start to the season that they had, no one really expected. They were fighting for relegation, um, relegation battle last year. Yeah, and I think David and, uh, Moyes has landed at his level with West Ham. I think it's you know he's absolutely. looking at his lips at it. Um, I think it was good to get rid of the Deadwood, absolutely at West Ham. 
um, Sebastian Haller being the one that sticks out for me. I, I was less bullish but, on them getting rid of him, but I definitely think there's Deadwood at the club that they've got rid of and done a good job with. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I just felt like he was... I mean, yeah, there was a special goal, but, like, he just felt felt a bit laboured, really. I thought he was bringing them, bringing them down a bit. I mean, they obviously want to play high-intensity yeah. possession and stuff, but, yeah, no, I mean, bringing in Lingard is a an excellent replacement. I don't have what his transfer fee was, though. It's just a loan fee, I think. Oh, was it low? But again, I think a lot, like a lot of these signings, if they can get them for the six-month period and for another year, and then maybe get you know a loan to option loan option to buy next season, I don't, you know I, I'm very much up for it for West Ham. He's a very West yeah, Ham absolutely. player, though, isn't he? <laughs> it he, he is he is absolutely. Um, although I, I think it's a good price actually, one point five million loan fee. I mean, you, what you know? What can you say about that? That's pennies to a Premier League club at this That's point daylight robbery that is mm. um, so is anybody else you want to talk about in terms of transfers any more sort of hidden gems you think will hit the ground running or are you pretty good um, might be worth mentioning Nathan Maitland-Niles Oh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, you mean? Ainsley, not sorry. Nathan, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Ainsley. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, I think this is... I actually think it's quite a shame for him because I think he, he could have aimed higher on a loan. I think if he, you know, if Southampton or a Leicester or a Wolves came calling for him, I think he would have done great for them. I think it's quite mm. a shame that it's West Brom who ended up taking him because I think he's a really, really good player, really talented player. He definitely adds to that squad, though. He does, and I, mean, I do they, think they, he they, they will work. They desperately needed somebody. Yeah. I just... I kind of feel bad that it was West Brom and Sam Allardyce he's going to play under. Like, I would, you know, even Burnley, like, at least say you know you're going to get consistent minutes and play under a pretty good coach. I'm not saying Sam Allardyce is bad, but he's not going to learn very much there other than how to defend 10 at the back. Yeah, that is a good point actually. Um although I don't I don't see him fitting into the Burnley mold either. To be um, honest. I mean although although having said that he does give them a bit of pace which they are lacking. Yeah, and also a good, he's you know he's good moving the ball forward. He's a good passer, he's a good you know a decent dribbler and creatively isn't that bad. And you you know he can play midfield as well. And I think that versatility will suit him well wherever he lands. You know, whether it's him staying at West Brom when they go down inevitably or whether they, he ends up moving on following <laughs> when Arsenal. When they go down. I mean, they're going down, aren't they? Like, I'm not being funny. They are genuinely, like... I'm not going to swear, but, like, awful. Like, really bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, like we said last week, I think Sheffield United, even though they've had a couple of good results, probably joining them. And then probably Fulham. Yeah, not Newcastle anymore. Um, oh, they could, though. They really could, Newcastle. I kind of want to put money on it, to be honest, because it's, <laughs> it's it's kind of outside and a bit rogue, but it's also, like, completely plausible, like, happening. I just... It is. I just it want it to happen so badly, be, like... It would be hilarious. 
Um, so I think that's it for transfers, isn't it? So uh, should we should we skedaddle on to our next section? Let's do that. Yes. Cool. Man United. Yeah. Um, I am going to be arguing for Manchester United winning the league, and I didn't think I'd be saying that today or any other time ever. Um, yeah. Pre-2008 <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, so... <sighs> Would you like to start, Max? <laughs> I will <laughs> the start. The easier section. I haven't, huh? I haven't made loads of notes, but I'm pretty confident in what I'm saying. Um, so I'm arguing for United not winning the league this season. I feel, I feel bad saying it because this is probably the best United side since they last. Probably better than the last team that won the league, because that team was just held together by like magic and sticky tape. Like, this team is so much more coherent than that team. And that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does deserve a lot of credit because what he's turned United into is a very good counter-attacking team who are decent enough in possession. Um, so they're currently on 44 points. Now, I'm going into expected goals and expected stats and things like that. So do take what I say with a pinch of salt because, of course, luck, air quotes, luck is a thing. But they're on 44 points. <laughs> Expected points suggest that they should be on 38, which puts them third behind Liverpool on 41 and Manchester City on 47. This is all on expected goals, which suggests that they've ridden their luck quite a lot this season. They also have scored eight more goals than expected, which suggests that the finishing of this team is incredible. Obviously, Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes are two, possibly of the best finishers in the league at the moment. Anthony Martial as well. However, eight goals is a huge swing at this stage of the season. So I'm not necessarily convinced they're going to keep that going. Also, if literally any of their front three gets injured, Cavani, Rashford or Bruno Fernandes, their title challenge just ends. Like there, there is no way they can keep that going. And they've also consist- conceded more goals than they've been expected to. So from the shots that they've conceded, they were expected to concede two more goals, sorry, two less goals than they have already, which suggests that De Gea and the defence are having a bad season. De Gea in particular, he's, you know, in seasons gone by, he has saved more goals than have been expected. And they've always been quite good defensively when he's been there. But the last 18 months, they've been in deficit of goals, which means that they've conceded more goals than they're expected to, which means he's making more errors. So I just think systematically they're good and I think maybe in a year's time they could challenge again if they maybe get Sancho or someone else in the midfield to anchor alongside Pogba but it's it's just it's it's a year too early right now I think that is a shame because I think this is their best chance of winning the league to be honest do you you think about how um Manchester City struggled at the start um and they definitely should have capitalized on that uh, Liverpool losing Van Dijk early on. Um, Liverpool losing most of their players, actually. Um, most of their challenges faltering around them. I mean, Tottenham as well. You were on about them winning the league not a month ago. And yeah. Now look. But um, yeah, I think this is the best opportunity for this Manchester United side to win the, the league. And with the players that they've got... 
they ought to, really. Um, Bruno Fernandes being possibly the best playmaker in the league. That's Ooh, a that's yes. a rogue Sorry, cool Kevin man. De Bruyne, friends. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> I think when they're firing on the day, you only have to look at the Southampton performance. I know Southampton were depleted and stuff, but you saw the tenacity and like the pressing on the ball, and then on the counter attack, it was just devastating. Like, and they can probably they can do that to any team, like yeah. any team on their day, um, including Man City, I believe. I know um, Man City have uh, strengthened in recent weeks, but um, I think when. Uh, especially the nil-nil draw they could have gone for it and they should have won um, so it's just a couple of results that you feel should have gone their way if they tried a little bit harder and if luck was slightly different on the on the, on the day but I think I think this this year they have to they have to be realistic well not realistic in fact dream go and go and win the league basically yeah go and try because um, if you if you sort of thinking about your performances week in week out, um, sort of developing the side of Manchester United and thinking about oh we we might go for it next year or we might go for it the year after like you you know we, Liverpool are going to be back to full strength Man City are going to be you know probably the best team in the world again with all with all the players that they probably could sign and probably will sign as well. And you just feel that Man United in seasons to come might be left by the wayside, especially in the transfer market as well. Yeah. Um, so you've, you, you're sort of looking at Man United becoming like a what they were a couple of years ago under Mourinho again. God, that was a, um, that was an inspirational speech, that Sam. Thanks, man. I, Appreciate I, it. If I was a United player right now, I'd be shooting for the stars off the back of that. <laughs> So yeah, I'm. Uh, they need to go for it. This it's it's make or break really this season for me, for them. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that argument, especially if City go out and get Messi next summer, which is fairly likely. If he leaves Barcelona, I think City's where he's going to go. And Seriously? Chelsea are in, yeah, I, I think he'll go to City. Chelsea are only going to get better under Tuchel. Liverpool yeah have had a bit of a freak year because of the amount of injuries that they've had and they've not really had the look of the draw most of the time and even teams like Arsenal and Tottenham again can only really get better so yeah this is definitely their year to win it it is and then you you know thinking about Tottenham as well I mean Arsenal next year like you think these are good teams now like we've got with a couple of the players that they're bringing in Bale might sort his fitness out over the summer you you never know and then Man United find themselves what eighth ninth in the table yeah because there's even teams in the sort of other pack your Leicesters your Southamptons your Wolves who it's not unrealistic West Ham Ham, it's not unrealistic to expect them to you know punch a little bit exactly exactly so yeah I mean I I wouldn't say I totally believe they're going to win the league this season but I feel like they have to hmm if you see what I mean. Yeah, it's do or die. And uh, I certainly think, don't get me wrong, they're not by any stretch of the imagination having a bad season, in my opinion. It's just 
Oh, God, no. City are just, you know, on this freakish defensive run where they just can't seem to concede goals and everything they hit seems to go in. Even like Liverpool... Diaz and Stones is just... Yeah. It's just a brick wall, isn't it, now? Yeah, and, like, who expected Diaz to come in and be so good straight away? And who expected Stones to have this kind of, like, rejuvenation? Just a, sort yeah. of que- just a question on that, actually. Um, we'll probably end up doing it later down the line when it's closer to the time. Does Stones start for you at the Euros at centre-back? Oh, Max, why would you do this to me? Just sort of tantalising, just to see what your reaction to that is. For me, in his current form, absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely, no question about it. Um, I think he's he's just so good. He, he's, he looks, he's cut out all the mistakes in his game. He's comfortable on the ball now. He's looking to forward pass. Um, he covers well. I think he's excellent. I really do. But then when you get to England, all the all the mistakes start to creep in, doesn't it? I mean, that's like the goalkeeper curse. Yeah. For, uh, England at the Euros and. For what it's worth, I definitely think in terms of defence in England, it like in terms of the defence when when England go to the Euros, I think there's actually a lot more options at the back than people realise. Like you've got Stones, Maguire, Walker can play centre back. You've got Webster and Dunk and White from uh, Brighton who are all very competent centre-backs. You've got your boys, Ben Mee and uh, James Tarkovsky at West Ham, <laughs> yeah. uh, not West Ham, at Burnley. Like, there's actually quite a good pool of centre-backs for England at the moment. It's just about, like, what system you operate with. Like, if we play three at the back, I don't think that starts stones. That is a good point, actually. Yeah, I think it has to be four for yeah. stones to play. And someone like Maguire or... Someone like Stones, um, yeah, just Maguire, someone, yeah, Luke Shaw and Kyle Walker probably. But then if we go three at the back, you've got the likes of Webster, Dunk, Ber- uh, not Dan Burner, Ben White, Wambasaka. I think has a shout of playing as an outside centre back. Oh yes, good point. That's always been something I've quite advocated for because he's really good defensively and one on one, but he's crap going forward. And so like, if you had him. In a in a three where you can cover for his lack of offensive quality by having Trent ahead of him, but you allow him yeah. to just defend one on one every time something comes down the left, then or the right. Sorry, that's Trent as well, isn't there? Wow. Yeah, and uh, Reese James, Matty Cash, of course, who used to play for Forest. Yeah, yeah. There's, oh, there's, there's a lot of defensive options at the moment. Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell on the left hand side. It's oh, there's going to be fight for places in the Euros I don't envy I don't envy Gareth's selection not at all it's exciting though isn't it like from from where we were oh, in the World Cup it's exciting to be time to be an England fan really yeah, exciting absolutely not being like hoping goal yeah hopefully um, are you happy then with the arguments we've made for for United well, winning or not winning the league I mean I'm happy I don't think anybody else will be but you know, we'll move on. Well, why don't you let us know what you think then? If you're listening to this and you've got an opinion, let us know in either the comments of the YouTube version of this or on social media, which we'll plug at the end of this. Do you think United will win the league or do you think they won't win the league? And uh, let us know why, to which side. Um, so, fixtures. Week 22 of the Premier League. Um, yes. 
I reckon we should start with, well, the obvious one, um, Leicester City Leicester City 9, Southampton 0. Do you mean Manchester United 0? 9, sorry. I do, but um, it's quite easy to get confused with all the pundits talking about it, isn't it? It is quite confusing. It's almost as if it happened a year ago and they haven't stopped talking about it since. I, it's, I do feel sorry for Southampton, especially in this game. It was nothing like the Leicester, the Leicester match. And I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on that too much. Yeah. Because, frankly, we've heard enough of that. Um, but I think Southampton played played well. Like it, it's quite it's quite hard to say when they lost nine nil, but I think they played extremely well, and they were quite unlucky to be fair. Um, especially yeah, I on think they were the offside, which wasn't offside. Yeah, that was so um, dodgy. <laughs> and just ah, oh, just the, the work rate was nice. It was they were intense toward you know until the end. Um, they just kind of got ripped apart really. Um, through the. Manchester United's counter-attack which we've mentioned before and uh, you just kind of got to move on haven't you really Southampton I mean they didn't really have anyone on the bench either they were just yeah. a bunch of kids apart from Nathan Redmond and yeah. uh, it was just it was just quite a dire situation you felt really sorry for him really yeah I this is why people rate people like Sam Allardyce because if this was a Sam Allardyce team, and I'm not, I'm not going to gender against him, but if this was an Allardyce team, they would have lost like two or three nil in this situation of having two players sent off. But like, the the, the problem is that like the state of the punditry in this country, like people like Paul Merson or whatever, they'll use this result as a stick to beat Southampton with, like they have with the Leicester result for the last year, despite the fact that actually Southampton were, like you say, pretty good for. 80 minutes until they had another player sent off and they yeah. stuck to their principles and actually I'd, if, if if I was a Southampton fan I'd much rather Southampton stuck to their principles and played exactly the same way as they do week in week out than go really conservative and pragmatic just because they've had players sent off yeah I agree and that's what they did yeah and you know it's commendable to be honest um, they just they just didn't really have the run of the ball and it was just some very good finishing from United as well. Like, United do deserve a lot of credit for this performance. They were, you know, good and, you know, very clinical on the day. Um, they were. They do you were. want to there read through the good, goal scorers and see how long it takes? Uh, yeah, I shall give you precisely 15 seconds. Okay, starting when? Uh, in three, two, one go okay so Wamba Saka opened up the scoring in the 18th minute then Rashford added a second on the 25th Benarek scored an own goal in 34 minutes and then Cavani just far off time with the fourth Martial then went on to score two goals late in the game on the 69th and 90th minute McTominay scored a 71st minute goal Bruno Fernandes scored a penalty and James scored in added time oh 20 seconds oh, that was that was that, that was tight that. that was that, that was, was quite tight. hard actually <laughs> <laughs> You did. You did well. You did Cheers. well. Um, <laughs> Twenty seconds. Nine nil. There you go. Shall we move on? Yeah, I, I, I've got nothing else to add on that. To be honest, it was a freak result. I think more than anything. Yeah, agreed. Um, 
Oh, let's go to Arsenal. Oof, unlucky Arsenal. The scene of another two red cards. Oof, the scene of the crime. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a penalty, in my opinion. The David Luiz one. Well, actually, you no, it was a penalty. You David Luiz sometimes, don't you? Yeah, I feel... <laughs> he doesn't help himself, but, like, I mean, that one was was uh, was harsh. It was harsh. It was... Um, I mean, he did clip him, so... Is it a penalty? I'm not. I I'd say no. I like they were saying on the day, okay. like if he'd gone for the ball, it would be in the yellow card, which doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. I mean, it's so ugh. slight the touch, wasn't it? Like it was so faint a touch on. Uh, yeah, and he was he was pulling Jose. out, wasn't he? I mean, it, it was just his knee. Yeah, and like, uh, no, I can't see. Personally, how that's a penalty. I've got I, yeah. I feel really bad for him to be honest. It's it's always him. It, like if this was any other defender, it is. It is people always would just him. Be like, <laughs> yeah, but it's always him. It's always David Louise who makes. I don't even say mistake because for me it wasn't a penalty. It definitely wasn't a red card. Um, yeah. And so it's what can you say? I mean, he, to be, like you say, it's always David Luiz, and to be fair, sometimes he doesn't help himself. But he's got a lot better, and I think this one, this one is just just a red card because it's David Luiz, to be honest, and a penalty. Yeah. Just it's just a meme, isn't it? Really, to be honest. But you know, Wolves didn't play very well either, apart from an absolute screamer by Matinho. Um, which, to be fair, I. <laughs> I'd expect Lano to save, honestly. Yeah. Um, it was a good result for Wolves, obviously. You know, because they're on a bit of a rut at the moment. Obviously, the loss of Raul Menez is really yeah, affected but them. You struggle, you struggle to see where they're going to find points from um, um, without this amount of luck. If you see oh, what yeah, I mean. this was one of the most boring games, other than the red cards, one of the most boring games of football I've ever watched. They've got no... They're just lacking a bit of creativity, Wolves, at the minute. And obviously there was a free goal or two in that game, but yeah. other than that, there was no sort of urgency on the ball. It was more... Oh, I don't know. It's just very rigid Wolves at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it, it works when you have, you know, a fit and fire in Raul Jimenez. You had Diogo Jota last season. You have Adama Traore actually playing good football. But when... You've lost your best player. Your second best player is out indefinitely with a skull fracture. And your other attacker is apparently a very average player. Who knew? It's just... <laughs> it's just like that is their attack. That's their attack, three players. And everything else is defence and ball progression. And so when you lose two-thirds of that and the other third falls off the face of the planet... You know, there is no outlet for them. And they did sign William Jose in the January window from Sociedad on loan. And I actually think he'll probably get a few goals and he certainly won't replicate Jimenez's output, but he'll at least give them something on the pitch to work around, like a statutory figure to sort of pin the ball off. But it's... God, they're so boring, aren't they? they? They're so boring, honestly. Without Jimenez on the pitch, what Wolves just have no nothing like literally nothing literally it's quite um 
it's quite distressing if you're a Wolves fan, to be fair, at the minute. I mean, they need a central striker, and I'm not somebody to replace Jimenez, or at least, you know, yeah, someone half decent to put on when he's injured. Um, but yeah, that's that's that one, really. Um, that do you one. want to have a look at another game? Um, or should we have some some predictions? Do you, want, do you want one more game? Should we have a look forward maybe to a couple of the games at the weekend to talk about? Yeah, all right. Um, cool. Go on, then. Uh, have a pick of one. Um, well, I didn't have one in particular initially, but I just realised it's Liverpool versus Manchester City on Sunday. Oh yeah, that game that um, nobody nobody's talking about. Oh yeah, it's just it's just you know it's just a title decider. It's it's nothing. It's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, we say title decider, but man, you are obviously going to win the league this season. Of so. course. But for me, this is like I, I hate to write them off so early, but this is if Liverpool don't win or at least get a point against City, I think their title their title challenge is over. Yeah, completely. I. Completely agree with that, and I think they will lose this, yeah, this, um, this weekend. Because um, if they lose, it's a shame. I think. Sorry, if yeah, because I don't think yeah. they, don't think they really produce much creativity. I mean, they they, they do. They've got Salah. I mean, is uh, Mane and Firmino back? Do we know? Mo- uh, Firmino played yesterday, and I think Mane was rested. I think. So they'll they might play it. <sighs> Exactly. If they are fit, they will play. To be fair, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I don't see them winning. Honestly, uh, I think we're looking at either a a nil nil or City winning by miles. Yeah, I just think Liverpool. Like I watched their game against Brighton yesterday, and they were bad. Like Brighton. Everyone was saying after the game that Brian sat back and defended all game and then, you know, one of their punches on the defence turned into a goal. Yeah, well, that's not their fault, though, is it? I mean, like, if Liverpool offer nothing going forward themselves, then who are we blaming here? And also, Brian did, and I hate to sort of use expected goals as, like, a sort of stick to beat Liverpool with, but, like, Brian did actually, like, outperform them on expected goals. Like... They deserved the result. Their chances were better. Liverpool didn't have any clear-cut chances. And Brian had, like, two or three where, like, you think, you know, any other day, you know, they could get this in from here. Yeah. Oh, it's a big, you know, big win for Brian, obviously. But, like, say, yeah. Liverpool, it feels a little bit... Because we thought that they were they were climbing out of this hole a little bit, like, the past couple of weeks. Yeah, like they beat but, they beat Palace seven nil. They beat Tottenham convincingly. They beat West Ham convincingly. They just <laughs> they just forgot how to attack yesterday. Yeah, it's just like oh oh never mind. Um, but yeah, maybe it's just one of those Sheffield United ones, like fixtures where it's just like it's just one of them days. Yeah, although I, I do think Brighton are better than that. Like I do genuinely rate Potter and Brighton. Like they should yeah, be so much higher in the table than they are at the moment. They're uh, fairly close to the relegation, aren't they? They must be what seventeenth. I think they're fifteenth now, but they've gone on to like twenty-four points or something. 
So they have like mm. twice as many points as like West Brom and Sheffield United. Like I feel like it like that result, although it's really early in the season still, like it's only just half the, past the halfway mark. I think that's kind of like yeah. there, yeah. like this is us not getting relegated this season. Yeah. So yeah, I'd go with that. I'd go with that. So in terms of scores on the doors, what are you going for, Liverpool City? Um, I am going for three one City. I'm gonna go two nil. I think, especially if Salah continues in the kind of weird form he's in at the moment, and Mane's not fit, and Firmino just continues to be Firmino. I genuinely don't see them <laughs> scoring past Diaz and Stones. Especially if Salah yeah. just sticks to the touchline like he did against Brighton. Like, when he got home and cleaned his boots, he must have had so much chalk on them because he was just like, every time he got the ball, he was in such a wide area wanting to come in on his <laughs> yeah. left foot. And there was just no central, you know, positions that he was picking up. Which, like, I know that's how he plays, but, like, you'd think against a team like Brighton who are so good defending in wide areas that you'd at least try and penetrate them centrally a bit mm. yeah well absolutely but yeah. they obviously got the game plan a bit wrong then really yeah um, shall we go for the weekend fixtures and see sort of what scores we reckon sure sure go quick yeah? scores in the doors Quick sort scores on the doors. Uh, actually, we'll start with tonight's. We'll start with tonight's Tottenham Chelsea. Um, at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'll go one. one. That doesn't really matter too much, does it? I'll go one one draw. One, Score one. draw though. All right. Yeah, fair enough. What about you? Aston. Two uh, nil Chelsea. Okay, fair enough. Kane's still out, isn't he? He is. That is true, actually. Uh, Aston Villa Arsenal. Um, I'm gonna go two one Villa. Two one Villa. Yeah, I think the red cards are gonna sort of affect Arsenal quite a lot, actually. Okay, I reckon nil nil that one. Okay, fair enough. That's a fair. That's a fair yeah. result. Um, Burnley Brighton. I'm gonna go Brighton. I think they're gonna bounce on from that win against Liverpool. I'm going to say maybe 3-1. Wow, okay. The Brighton haven't really created that many goals this season, but you reckon that'll be the... I think they're just sort of... The one. I think it's starting to click for them now a little bit, so I think... Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I mean, I'm going Burnley 1-0. Fair enough. Solid. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Closet Burnley fan. Um... Newcastle Southampton. I'm gonna go one 0 Saints. Ings with a goal probably. I think they'll bounce back from the weekend and Newcastle are his poor, so Yeah, I reckon Southampton two one. Yeah. Um Fulham West Ham. Uh I'm gonna go West Ham three 0 Uh yeah, I'm with you on that one actually. Yeah. Uh Man United Everton at Old Trafford. Um 2-1 United oh, you think it'd be quite a tight one then yeah it was to be fair the, the reverse fixture was fairly tight um, until about the like, 80th minute when Everton just sort of dropped off a bit 
So I think yeah, I think it'll be similar. Um, yeah, I don't see Everton scoring. I think two 0 United. Yeah. Um, Tottenham West Brom. Um, I think I think Kane will start. I think Jose will rush him back. I think he'll probably score as well. So I'm gonna go like two 0 Tottenham. Okay. Um. Yeah, again, I don't see West Brom scoring, so... Yeah, 2-0 Tottenham then. 2-0 Tottenham. Wolves-Leicester City. That's a tight one. I think 0-0. I think it's going to be possibly one of the most boring games of the entire season. Because <laughs> Wolves are like... You might not be, yeah. Wolves are you horrendous. might not be wrong there. And Leicester, when they want to be, can be really boring, so... That is true. Although I do think Leicester will win 3-0. Oof. I think you're being a bit ambitious there, mate. <laughs> I do honestly I reckon uh, we'll see you know um, goal from Madison Justin maybe yeah yeah we'll see uh, we've touched on Liverpool Man City haven't we yeah uh, Sheffield United Chelsea oof um, probably like 3-1 4-1 I think this could be the game where like things start to click under Tuchel where he like experiments a little bit more hmm yeah yeah um I don't know I I, I think 2-0 Chelsea that one yeah and then uh, Leeds United Crystal Palace yeah that's the that's the last one Monday Night Football uh I think this could be quite fun actually I'm quite looking for it's such an innocuous game Leeds uh, Crystal Palace but I actually think it could be quite fun maybe like a 3-2 or something or a 3-3 yeah because Crystal Palace can attack when they want to and I think Zaha and Etze against how open Leeds are could genuinely Mm. be like a really fun game I think 4-2 Leeds okay that also is a very fun result that is a fun result isn't it (laughs) Excellent. Um, yeah. So that that concludes a quick roundup of the predictions. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? I think it is. I think it is. Thank Sweet. you so much for joining us um, on this episode. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll see you on the next one. Um, yes. When Man United are top of the table and uh, on track to win the league. So uh, we'll see you then. Do you want to plug your social media, Sam? And your other ventures? I can if you like. I mean, yeah. if you want to, follow me on Twitter, um, uh, at Samware99. Um, again, not much going on there, but if you really want to, it's on there. Well, it's like the occasional banger that goes on there, I think. Thank you very much. And yourself, Max. Thank you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, MaxDJGoodwin for both. It's all in lowercase and all one word. And... Uh, I can't I can't pretend to be as spicy on social media as Sam, but sometimes you'll see some nice pictures <laughs> of dogs, so <laughs> Brilliant. Alright, well stay safe everybody and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Bye.